you'll please turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, we're continuing in our sermon series on the greatest chapter in the Bible. It can be found on page 944 in the Bibles and the chairs in front of you. So please grab one of those if you need it. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to be reading verses 9 through 11. That's our passage of study, but I think it's really helpful to remember that this whole book of Romans, it's actually a letter, a letter written, to, written by the Apostle Paul to the churches in Rome. And I don't know about you, but I haven't written a 16-chapter letter to anyone right, lately. And so... In God's wonderful providence and love to us, he has given us his word in the form of this letter inspired by the Holy Spirit to, to teach and instruct the church. And here we have wonderful words here about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is God's holy, authoritative word to us this morning. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Let's pray. Father, we ask that you would open our eyes, our minds, our, our hearts, so that we may know and understand and believe the wonderful truths taught here. Pray in Jesus' name, amen. How do you know if, if someone is a Christian or not? I mean, if we're not sovereign and almighty, I mean, how do you know? How do you know if someone is a believer in Christ or not? I will never forget sitting across the table from my pastor and mentor in the Perry Cafeteria on the campus of Mississippi State University in 1997, and him looking at me and asking me, Wilson, how do you know if you are a Christian? I was pretty arrogant, pretty prideful, and so I straightened up my t-shirt. I certainly wasn't wearing a collared shirt then. And I had a great answer I was ready to give him. I was going to blow him away with my answer. My answer went something like this. Well, I, I, I come from a divorced family and, and had a little bit of a rocky childhood. And, and God saved me from that. And then I said, and then when I was, when I was 16, my, my mom died. And that was, that was really hard. And God saved me from that. And then when I was a senior in high school, I was in an accident that, that nearly killed me. And, and God saved me from that. And so I looked at him and I said, I know that I'm a Christian because God had saved me through all those circumstances. And I'll never forget him looking at me and saying very lovingly and pastorally, Wilson, those are truly wonderful and amazing things that has happened in your life. But that is not what makes you a Christian. That is not what makes you a believer in Christ. 
Because I learned a valuable truth that day. And that truth is this. It's not necessarily what God has done through my life circumstances that makes me a Christian. It is what Jesus has done in my life by his saving grace. And here, furthermore, we're taught in Romans chapter 8 that it's, matter of fact, it's even deeper and more wonderful than we can even imagine because it's the Holy Spirit, the person of God residing in us that makes the work of Christ effective and is evidence that someone is, in fact, a Christian. And so with crystal clarity, the Bible says that anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. The great theme over this entire chapter, Romans chapter 8, that we've been studying is this wonderful message of assurance, the assurance that we can have in Jesus Christ. And so far, this assurance has been shown to us by the fact that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes another step and he says that those who are in Christ Jesus are no longer under the control and the command of the flesh. That is, the sinful nature does not have dominion over us. And those are wonderful truths of assurance. But again, remembering that the work, that the, that the chapter, this letter, Romans, was written to a church. It was written to people to teach them the gospel. It was written to the church in Rome, which at that time was the center of the universe. There was no one more powerful and more influential in the world than Rome. And here Paul is taking the time to school the church here in the gospel and to teach all of them the wonderful implications of being in Christ and knowing, them by, knowing him by faith. And here in Romans 8, very, very personally, very pastorally, very warmly, very lovingly, Paul says, brothers and sisters in Rome, you are not in the flesh. In other words, the sinful nature is not who you are. You are in Christ. And the reason you are in Christ is because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. And this is why it's important for us to, this morning to study the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this passage and what it means for us. Because if you are in Christ, that is what it means to be a Christian. You are in Christ, and that means you have the Holy Spirit. When you repent, when you repented and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you unequivocally received the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was a one and the same thing. The Spirit was not something that came later in your life. If you're in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit. As John Sott says, to know Christ and to have the Spirit are one. And so the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives is, is, is proof of the assurance that we can have through the Spirit. And so there are three proofs, there are three further assurances we have by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in this passage. And we're going to look at three R's this morning. I, I went with alliteration this morning. I hope that's okay. We have the, the residency of the Holy Spirit in our lives, the righteousness that He works in us, and the resurrection that is promised by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit this morning through those three things. The residency of the Holy Spirit, the righteousness that he works in us, and the resurrection that, he, that God will 
exhibit in our lives by His mighty power. So the first is the residency of the Spirit. What wonderful news, again, the Apostle Paul had to share with the church in Rome. What an encouraging truth to tell them that you, brothers and sisters, he says, you are are not in the flesh. The sinful nature is not who you are and what you are. Rather, you're a new creation. You are a new person. You are now in the Spirit who dwells in you. The truth that is being taught here is that you're either in the flesh or in the Spirit. Last week we looked at that either you are a Christian or a non-Christian. You you either belong to this world and you're marked by sin and death, or you are in the Spirit and marked by righteousness and new life. And so to be in the Spirit is to be, by definition, a, a Christian Because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you and dwells in you. And so that's an interesting word that we see here several times in this passage. The word dwells or dwelling or some older translations say indwelling. I think this is a wonderful word and a wonderful way to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. These are important biblical terms to note the The supernatural work of God, whereby the Holy Spirit of God, the third person of the Trinity, takes up residence in our lives, dwells in us. And so one old Puritan pastor put it this way regarding the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Dwelling in us notes his residence, his his permanent and constant abode in us. He does not work in anyone's life or affect someone for just a short period of time. He doesn't just come upon them as he came sometimes upon Samson or as he sometimes came upon the prophets of the holy men of God when in some particular services they were especially inspired and carried beyond the line of their ordinary abilities. No, in Christ the Holy Spirit dwells in us by working in us in such a way that we are the permanent habitat of the Holy Spirit. Is that not amazing? That in, our, in us, we, we are the permanent habitat of the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, God dwells in you. He lives in you. It's important to note that when Paul speaks of the Spirit, or the Spirit of God, or the Spirit of Christ, He's using all of these ways to say the same thing. This is the Holy Spirit we're talking about. And so the reason why he kind of uses it in these different ways is Paul is elaborating here on the power and the wonder and the beauty and the nearness of God and those who have the Spirit because this is how dynamic the Christian life is. There is a triune God at work in the life of a believer. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. And all are at work, but specifically the Holy Spirit makes Christ near and dear to us. The Holy Spirit, he is the one who manifests God's presence in our lives. And so all that's to say, Paul uses all these words and phrases to highlight the the intimacy of the ministry of of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the life of a believer. 
Pastor Ray Ortland says it this way. When someone becomes a Christian, he does not simply change his beliefs, important as that is. But a whole new relationship with God opens up for us. A Christian is lifted out of isolation of the flesh and into personal intimacy with the triune God. Is that not a wonderful truth about the Christian life? The God of the universe, the holy, 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 blessed Trinity, he wants to know you and live in you. Think about that. Since one of the key themes in this great chapter of the Bible is our assurance that we have in Christ, there's no greater proof of the assurance that we have in Christ than the Holy Spirit dwelling in the life of a believer. And so when you know the presence of God in your life, when you realize that the Lord of the heaven and earth lives in you and loves you so much that he has taken up residence in your life by the Holy Spirit living in you, then what joy, what, what privilege, what a, what a wonderful mystery this is. God lives in us. But having the Holy Spirit does not mean that we're now perfect. It does not mean that we will never sin. It does not mean that we have arrived and we don't have to worry about doing the wrong thing. Because those who even have the Holy Spirit, we still struggle with sin. We still mess up. We still get sick and die. But if God, the Holy Spirit, lives in you, there is a reality beyond all realities that we need to know. There's a reality beyond the here and now, and that is if you are a child of God, you have the ultimate destiny of being with the Lord forever in the new heavens and the new earth, and the Spirit of God is in control of you, not the flesh, not what just we experience here and now. And so our great privilege of being a Christian is to have the indwelling of the Spirit to fight and subdue sin in our lives. Yes, we still sin, but sin has no mastery over you. Sin cannot conquer you if you are in the Spirit. And so the Apostle Paul makes the point here to the believers, you're, you're not in the flesh. You're in the Spirit. Christ is in you by the Spirit so that you do not have to follow the ways of the, spirit, of the flesh. It has no authority over you. To illustrate this, Pastor Randy Pope gives a wonderful illustration, I think, to understand what this looks like in the life of a believer. He says, imagine that you're a sailor on an old sailing ship. And you and your shipmates are subject to a wicked and cruel captain. I mean, he's just mean. And the crew hates this old captain. But they can't escape his ruthless control. He's, he's the captain. He's the master over them. But then unexpectedly, a new captain comes on board the ship. And he strips the old captain of his rank and of his power. But this old, cruel captain is still allowed to roam the ship freely until the next port of call. This new captain is strong, but he's gentle 
and treats you and the crew with kindness. But then one day, the old captain finds you relaxing on the deck and he starts screaming expletives and orders that you get back to work, scrub the deck. I guess that would be a pirate ship, right? Um, and then once he starts screaming those orders at you, you, you promptly obey. Yeah, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'll, I'll do it. But then the new captain finds you and asks, what are you doing? And you explain what happened. And the new captain reminds you that you don't have to obey the old captain anymore. He's not your captain. He no longer has authority over you. I do. In the same way, you and I may struggle with sin and temptation. We struggle in the the flesh, that old captain. And we may often yield to sin, but our old sinful nature, the, the flesh, it cannot order you around. You are not enslaved to it. You are free to struggle against it, empowered by the Spirit of Christ who dwells in you. That is what it means to be in the Spirit. So much so, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 1 that the Holy Spirit is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. Our inheritance in the heavens and the new heavens and the new earth to be with Christ forever is guaranteed because the Holy Spirit has been deposited into our lives. And so those who are in Christ now can have their minds set on things above and not on the things of the flesh. We are free to walk according to the Spirit. And therefore, the Word of God teaches that if you have the Spirit of Christ, you belong to Him. You are in Christ. You are in fellowship and communion with the triune God of the Bible. He lives in you. He resides in you. He dwells in you. But secondly, we learn about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, that He forms righteousness in us. An immediate implication for those who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit is is life. Look what Paul says there in verse 10. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Life, here in the Greek word, has a very deep meaning. It means to make alive. It means to to give life, to, to, to quicken and so the connotation means that not only we are we alive in Christ, but we are, we are kept alive. The Holy Spirit is in us, giving life, life-giving, life-sustaining, spiritual life the Holy Spirit gives us. And this is good news because the Apostle Paul was comparing spiritual life with, with death. The body is dead because of sin, he says. In Adam, because we're all in Adam, our bodies became mortal. We will all die. To dust we are, to dust we will return. But our spirits, our soul are alive because of Christ's righteousness. And so the reality of life on this earth is is that we're we're all dying. Some scientists have put it this way, from the moment we are born, the process of dying begins. We're all going to die. We're all going to experience a bodily death. 
And we cannot run from the fact that this is true. But for the believer in Christ, bodily death is not the end of the story. Going into the grave is not where life is because death has no victory over us. And therefore, since that is true, we must not look to the body or from the body or in the flesh for life because everlasting life will not be found there. It can only be found in the spirit, the spirit of life. This is a really important teaching for us in the 21st century, in our day and age, when everything is about image, right? Especially bodily image. The world will tell you that life is all about the body, what you look like, what you eat, how much you exercise, what you wear. All of that is what is ultimate. If you don't have that together, then you don't have life. That's what the world will tell you. But let's deal in reality here, right? Because we all know that everyone who is perfectly fit and perfectly healthy and rich and beautiful, they are not the most happy and content and joyful people that we've ever run into. Why? Why will those things not satisfy us and give us joy forever? Is because life cannot be found and will not be found in the flesh. It can only be found through the life-giving Spirit of God. It is spiritual life, not physical life, not life in the flesh that gives us hope and fullness and joy. You don't, we're not called to hate our bodies, okay? We're not call, called to neglect our bodies. Christians are called to honor God because he made our bodies. We're a, we're a body-soul package. That is what it means to be in God's image. We are, we are soul and we are flesh. But the truth is our bodies are dying. They will waste away one day, but our souls will last forever. And this is true because God gives us life by his spirit. Though our bodies are subject to death because of sin, the believer has an even better source of life. We have an, 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 even, an even greater source to tap into, and that is through the righteousness guaranteed for us in Jesus Christ. Paul says the spirit is life because of righteousness. In 1 Peter, Peter says, For Christ suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God being Put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And then earlier in Romans chapter 3, Paul taught that it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe by which we are justified. That is declared righteous. So here's the good news. The life that is the best life, spiritual life, has already been secured for us by Jesus' death on the cross. And we've been made alive by the Spirit. And you know what that means, right? There's another wonderful doctrine that we need to bring up here. And it's called the perseverance of the saints. If you're counting the petals on the tulip, it's the fifth petal. 
And this doctrine teaches that those who truly belong to God, those who are who are indwelled by the Spirit of God, they cannot lose their salvation because it's not up to them. Because it is the work of the Spirit of God that makes our redemption effective and everlasting. And so you are kept in God by God himself, not what you do. And this is very good news. What a wonderful ministry the Holy Spirit has in us who believe that the righteousness of Christ is formed in us and makes us alive. But lastly, thirdly, the the ministry of the Holy Spirit promises for us a resurrection. A resurrection promised by the Spirit. At least we think that the body is all there is in this life. And sometimes Christians can fall prey to extreme unbiblical thinking. We need to know. That our bodies matter. Our bodies still matter. Our bodies matter so much that God is going to do something amazing with them. God is going to do something unimaginable with them. Those of us who are aging, we really can't imagine this. And that is he's going to do something awesome when Christ returns. That our physical bodies are going to one day be raised from the dead. Just like Jesus. Our physical bodies, our final destiny is not death and decay, but resurrection. This is simply amazing. The the resurrecting power of God that he exerted in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit when he raised Jesus from the dead is going to be at work in believers. That is what verse 11 says. Jesus' resurrection is the promise that we will be raised too. The same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the same Spirit who gives life to our spirit and will also give life to our mortal bodies. And so God's salvation, God's love, His powerful Spirit that lives in you, it's an all-inclusive package. Because not only will he give life to your spirit, your dead soul, but he will also resurrect your body and bring back the most feeble and most frail part of us, our bodies. So do you understand what that means? Do you get the implications of all this? That our bodies, though they are prone to death and disease and cancer and pain and just plain getting old, bodies are going to one day be restored. That means there will no longer be a need for medicine. Dr. Honeywell will be out of the job. Can't wait for that day. No longer a need for sleep. No longer a need for physical therapy. No longer a need for, name it. It means that we will no longer wrestle with sin because The Spirit of God lives in us, and we will finally be free from our bodies of death and this sinful world. This is the awesomeness of God the Holy Spirit living in you. If you do not have the Spirit, the Bible says you do not belong to Christ. And it's very important this morning that you hear what what we're saying 
is that being in Christ is being in the Spirit. There is not something extra that has to happen to you. It's not something later down the road when you mature, you get the Holy Spirit. It is an all-in-one deal. That is what is clearly taught here in Romans 8. But again, I ask you, do you know Christ? Do you want to belong to Jesus? Do you want to have the Spirit of God in you? If you do, repent. Turn away from the flesh. Turn away from sin. Turn away from yourself and, and turn to Christ and believe what he did on the cross, that he died for sin. And as soon as that happens, as soon as you repent and believe, you will receive the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of life. That is why Peter stood up at Pentecost and he declared to all the believers present there, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so the biggest takeaway, I think, for all of us in this passage is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit means that God has made his home in your life. And where God lives, there will be life, abundant life, life everlasting. Ultimately, the best news is this, that God will keep his word. He will fulfill his promises and he will and can do all this because the Spirit of God dwells in you. And so may God help us to walk in the Spirit. Let's pray. Well, Father, we, we confess that at times when we think about and even talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, it seems, it seems abstract to us. It seems hard to understand, hard to comprehend. Oh, Lord, help us to believe your word, that you live in us, that you dwell in us, that we have a counselor, we have the helper, we have the spirit of the living God in us who believe. And so, Lord, we pray, we ask you to help us walk in the spirit, to not live according to the sinful nature, but to live according to the fruits of the spirit, to the things that you have called good. God, we thank you. We praise you for your presence in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.